Hello. Well, today I'm talking to Jeremy, who uh, has a YouTube channel called Motivate Korean. Hi there, Steve Kaufman here. Today's video is uh, an interview I did with uh, Jeremy, who is uh, uh, an American who lives in Korea, who teaches Korean, and I think a little bit of English as well. Uh, but before getting into that, uh, I wanted to mention that uh, next, well, my 90-day Arabic challenge ends at the end of this month. So December the 1st, 10 o'clock uh, Vancouver time, Pacific Standard Time, we're going to try to organize a live stream where I'm going to talk to Mohammed from Egypt, from Cairo. But it would be fun if uh, some people out there, if you are uh, native speakers of Arabic and you'd like to participate, we maybe could have two or three people also in this sort of Zoom conference and uh, asking me questions or talking about stuff. And we can talk about anything. We can talk about travel or politics or how to use Link or whatever people want to talk about. So anyway, here is the, uh, the interview with Jeremy. I did one for his channel as well. Uh, the subject is this whole issue of obstacles to learning, uh, language obstacles, um, cultural obstacles, and I have to say that uh, in my experience, you just keep going and these obstacles <laughs> just fade away and uh, one shouldn't get too hung up on apparent obstacles. Of course, it's difficult at first and the better you get, the lower the obstacles are. Anyway, here's the interview I did with Jeremy and remember next uh, Tuesday, or at least if you're interested in, and if you're a native speaker of Arabic and you want to get on and speak only standard Arabic, uh, you know, don't try any on with, with the local variants of Arabic, uh, you know, let me know here or somewhere. And uh, it's uh, Jareen of our group who's going to organize. And I don't know how we'll select randomly uh, two or three people, Arabic speakers, to participate in the live stream. Okay. And for the rest of you, you can all watch it and you can send in questions. But we may only have a few people actually, you know, live on the, on the Zoom conference. Okay then. Uh, and now here's the main, uh, the main interview. And in fact, he can explain the details of his different presence on, on the internet, but I like two things. One that uh, he's talking about Korean, which is a language that I'm interested in, and he's focused on motivation. So Jeremy, can you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about who you are, where you are and, and your activities? Sure. Um, who I am first. My name is Jeremy. <clears throat> Excuse me. My name is Jeremy. Uh, I'm from California. United States. Uh, I, <clears throat> I grew up in a very multicultural environment. I had a lot of friends from different countries and I heard different languages as a kid and I was always a little bit sort of jealous of them and I thought it was just so cool like magic power that they had to be able to understand and speak these other languages and so uh, I didn't really get started learning languages though until I was in my 20s uh, after I finished my schooling uh, although I learned a little bit of Spanish in school and uh, I've studied Korean quite extensively, obviously. That's what I teach and, uh, and talk about on my YouTube channel. And I also do a podcast called Sponge Mind uh, as well, uh, in Korean and English, the podcast. And uh, it's all focused on language learning. So I've dedicated my work life to helping other language learners stay on the path. Um, I've also taught English to Korean people for almost 10 years. Um, usually through one-on-one, -on -one, not in group settings. So I've worked with individual people and I found that motivation is usually at the crux of all issues. And uh, we just filmed a video for my channel as well, Steve and I, 
And uh, we he discussed that as well, how motivation is one of the biggest factors, or probably the biggest factor, and how well the learning goes of a language. So I'm sure we may discuss that and here. So what what are the factors that motivate people to learn Korean, mm. and what can you do to sustain that motivation? Sustain that. Good question. Well, the... The, the reason I started my channel was because I had a, I was living in Korea. I had moved to Korea with no knowledge of Korean, just the, the alphabet, basically. And I went there with a few of my friends from college, and or university, I should say. And we went together, and we all were just gung-ho about learning Korean, and we all got into it. And then very quickly, they started to fall off after a month or two. And, and I saw everyone around me, even people who had lived there for a long time, they just started to, they just quit. And uh, when I asked them and discussed it, I realized a lot of times it was some sort of misunderstanding, whether it be cultural, like Korean people often laugh at when we make pronunciation mistakes, which is very rude in our culture, but not necessarily rude to them. So there was a lot of these misunderstandings that would sort of knock people off the path. And then also in terms of the learning activities that they do, they were either doing it wrong or, or not wrong, but very inefficiently and, uh, and doing things that were not fun for them or as we discussed in, in the last video, Steve, the uh, using materials that were very dry and boring to them. And so for, for one of those reasons, they usually ended up quitting. And so I thought, well, if I could just make videos about things or helping people to get past these hurdles to clear the path, so to speak, go through the jungle with a big machete and cut down all the branches that are in the way, that kind of thing, then maybe more people would continue to walk on the path. And so that's what I've been doing. My videos are, they kind of hover around sometimes more emotional things, frustration and how to get rid of frustration, cultural differences, why Korean people do this and that, um, or linguistic frustrations. You know, this thing doesn't mean the same as the English word and that's why you're using it wrong and people laugh when you say it. And, and... Uh, yes, there are these habits in, in different languages, the, the sort of the idiosyncrasies of the language. And certainly we are you know, we tend to be influenced by our native language, the things that we're used to in our native language. And even people who speak English very well, say Germans, will say, uh, you know, I have been living in the United States since many years, which is wrong, of course, it's for many years. Swedes who speak English very well, they do the same. It is many people in China instead of there are many. So habits like that are difficult to change. Russian, I mean, the idea that, you know, you've got one verb for going, go, come back versus go and stay or go on a bus to get, theoretically, you can understand this, but when you actually go to speak to try to actually do that, it, it takes a lot of practice and exposure. So to me, if I think about Chinese, Japanese, uh, Arabic, you know, language, I don't speak Arabic well, but certainly Russian, so you just get used to it. I, I don't see that the fact that Korean has some unique ways of communicating is in itself not unique to me, unless there is something uniquely unique about Korean, which, which may be, well, which may be. I don't have the wide variety, the wide, you know, diverse experience with many languages that you do. So I can't necessarily comment on that, but I've talked to mm -hmm. thousands of people over the years about Korean and then about other languages that they speak. So we've compared right. in that way. So right. from a, you know, third person perspective, I, I, I've seen that. I think that this is the, the crux of it. I know there are inconsistencies. So how do you overcome, if, if, if that is the case yes. and that's demotivating to people, yes. what can you do then to motivate them? Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll lead to that. So 
uh, I believe the issue, and with those examples, there are similar ones in Spanish, and I, I mm -hmm. noticed many of those things, false cognates and things like that, um, grammatical pe peculiarities, the subjunctive tense, tenses that we don't just don't really have in English, so it's hard to think mm -hmm. in them. Um, subjunctive is still quite difficult for me, I'm at that phase. But mm -hmm. with, spe with, uh, with Korean, the issue is that these inconsistencies are so systematic that they pervade almost every single sentence that you say in a spoken context. And mm -hmm. as a result, it makes every step of the, the process of learning heavier or more difficult, like trudging through a swamp, than, than say other languages where you have you know cognates and something to stand on. So I'd say that uh, that's, that's the first one. And the demotivating factor about it is I would say, I guess, cultural, because Korean, Korean people are very in-group, out-group. There's a very strong polarity between in-group and out-group. In the Korean peninsula is roughly like half the size of Florida, as far as I've seen, but there are 50 million people or more there. So that's about a sixth of the United States in, in population. And in that tiny landmass, if you drive two hours, they speak very, very differently. If you drive three hours, people can't even communicate with each other uh, clearly, and if you go to Jeju Island, native you know people from Seoul actually just cannot speak to them at all. It's a different dialect. Mm -hmm. It's not even not far away in terms of land, but there's extreme differences in from city to city in how people speak. Much more than say you and I, we're from different countries. You you grew you lived on the in the opposite side of the continent, and we have no problems communicating whatsoever. Um, but that is not the case with Korea. Yeah, but Korea is more similar. Excuse me, Europe is similar. Yeah, very good example. They have very, very different languages in that regard. No, um, no, no, within Germany, Italy. Oh, within, okay. And yeah, I see that as well. But the way that this pardon? intersects with the issue that I was just describing is that right. when you uh, constantly make English-sounding sentences, English that sound mm -hmm. like direct translations, you alienate yourself from the group. So say there's a group of five okay. Koreans and you, you constantly are almost asserting that you're an outsider when you make those uh -huh. errors. Right. And they subconsciously, and as a result of cultural, you know, uh, you know, things that they've learned throughout their life, they start to see you as the outsider. And so sometimes they may sort of subtly ignore you or not include you in certain aspects of the conversation, assuming that you won't get it. And so mm -hmm. there's a long battle from the intermediate to, uh, to I'd say, high-level phase where y you're really just trying to speak like a Korean person. And in order to do that, you have to think like a Korean person. And this takes many, many, many more hours than, than might with another language where you share cultural... Uh, you know, in the West, we are very individualistic. So we see you as an individual and I'm an individual. So we respect each other and I don't force you to do things you don't want to do and, and such and such. But in Korean, you are seen as a part of the group. So there's almost mm -hmm. prerequisites to being Korean that English speakers don't have. And so they, they could learn the language even to a very high level. Even those who speak on TV and, and media and stuff in Korean, I've seen them speak. They often will use very English sounding expressions, Korean Americans mm -hmm. as well, and it sort of alienates them. And so they start to get strange, you know, it, there's this, there's static in the communication. Mm -hmm. It's not clear. And I've reached a point now where uh, that is not the case anymore, but that I also have Korean parents, essentially, my in-laws, who I speak to mm -hmm. all the time, who have parented me in the language in that way. And I have, I have friends and such. So I've been able through, uh, you know, 
I'm, I'm very lucky so, in that way to have made it right. through that. So your motive, you would motivate the learner by telling them, you just got to stay the course and yes. you'll eventually get better. Is, or are there tricks or, or other bits of advice that you have on yeah, I have helping a, people overcome these problems? I have a game that I've invented for English speakers to play and they can play it with their English speaking friends who don't care about mm -hmm. Korean at all. Uh, I just call it Korean English. Um, or Korean game, you know, for, for simplicity. But it's kind of like speaking like Yoda. So I say, put the verbs at the end of the sentence and drop the pronouns. That's it. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two, uh, two rules of the game. But if you play this right. game with English speakers, that mental, those mental gymnastics are what you have to do all the time when you're speaking Korean. Put the verb at the end and drop the pronoun. Put the verb at the end, drop the pronoun. It's almost like if you can create that habit or strengthen mm -hmm. that muscle, then if it becomes automatic, then when you speak Korean, you get very much used to that and you have a leg up on, and it actually will speed okay. up your, your ability to comprehend and produce accurate or realistic Korean, native like Korean. Okay. Any other bits of advice like that? Think special techniques that you favor in terms of um, learning Korean or language learning in general, things that you tell your viewers that could yeah. help them? Uh, I talk a lot about repetitive listening for that reason, and I mm -hmm. what I have done, I did this with Spanish as well, is I would take a one audio file from anything from, it depends on your level, so your lower level, shorter audio, higher level, longer audio, and I would listen to it every day, just automatically, whenever I wash the dishes, whenever I commute to and from work, or whenever I'm doing some sort of physical but rather mundane task, vacuuming, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll just only put that on. That's all I listen to. I don't listen to music. I have that one file and me and that file are just together for a while. And I, uh, I sort of think of it like gum. Some files you'll chew, some gum you'll chew and the flavor goes away quickly. So you can change quickly. Other ones you chew it and it's got sort of a deeper flavor and you, and you keep going with it and you keep chewing it and chewing it and chewing it. And um, eventually what that led me to was choosing my personality in Korean. So I found one speaker who has lots of mm -hmm. content on, on YouTube, of, uh, a professional speaker, and mm -hmm. I listened only to his content. So I started picking up his, his wording, his way of thinking. And mm -hmm. when I hit, you know, things that I didn't understand, I would ask native friends, or I'd try to look it up, or I'd use voice to text to try to, try to see right. what the spelling turned in, turned out to be. And uh, I would mine this mm -hmm. content after having downloaded the audio onto my internal hard drive. And right. it allowed me to skip the study process, sort of. And these words mm -hmm. were already mine, a part of me by the time I got the meaning. Two, two questions. Sure. First of all, can you provide me the name of that person? Yes. Uh, I, I yeah. totally agree that listening repetitively to a person, to a voice, to mm -hmm. content that we like, where there's resonance, is extremely effective. Oh, yes. And I have been looking for that kind of voice in Korean without oh, my success. So I'd be very interested in, in finding sure. out the name of this sure, person. Sure. And second of all, you mentioned in our conversation for your channel that you are a proponent of listening to things that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, how does that work? Uh, well, I'll start with his name. His name is Kim mm -hmm. Chang Ok. So the, mm -hmm. like the CH one, Chang Ok, with the mm -hmm. Kyok. Patsim there, I can send it to you later. Kim Chang Ok. Okay, thank you. Um, he, he I might put it in the description quite... box here too. We'll put sure. links to your channel and we'll put his name in the description box. Okay, yeah. He's, he's, he talks about a lot of life-related topics. So mm -hmm. um, sort of helping people get over issues, emotional issues and things like mm -hmm. that. But as a result, okay. he tells 
stories about so-and-so doing this and that. There's a variety of content, very much spoken. He's from Jeju Island and he moved to Seoul. So he himself mm -hmm. has sort of learned standard Korean. So he's kind of a language right. learner of sorts in that way. So he's a little bit more linguistically aware. Very funny. Mm -hmm. Just I find myself bursting out laughing even when I'm repetitively listening to the same video. I okay. laugh at the same joke. Um, and I also, I didn't use transcripts. I never used transcripts. He didn't have them, but I was at a level when I started that I didn't need that necessarily. So I, I recommend- But you're not opposed to, to listening to stuff that you don't understand. Yeah, so moving on to that question. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I find now, again, it's very different at each level. A complete beginner, I wouldn't recommend the same thing. If they did this, they'd pick mm -hmm. up on, you know, cadences and uh, intonation patterns, melodies sort of of the, of mm -hmm. the language. They may be drawn to words that are said twice, like kure kure mm. is a very common mm -hmm. thing that's said twice. So people mm -hmm. might pick up on those things in, in the beginning phase. But after you get a basis for grammar, you and you listen to something, say, to give a, a number anywhere from 30 to 100 times, um, mm -hmm. and this is over the course of a week or two or sometimes a month, so it's not just mm -hmm. all in one sitting, because your brain needs to process it. There's, there is digestion that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. I find that with things that I don't understand, those become sound bites that get stuck in my head. I was just listening to a song in Greek on, on repeat recently just to try this. There are words in there that I can repeat, uh, you know, or that I could repeat to someone and ask mm -hmm. them the meaning of them. And so there are sound, they become sounds that become familiar. You can also become familiar with the sound of a certain bird or an animal or a kind of car, you know, hydraulic brakes as the, as the bus passes by. You learn to associate a sound based on repetition with a certain thing or meaning. You give it meaning after the fact. So I, I have utilized sound first, then meaning, um, and utilize that method. And, and it, it's, it's been very helpful. I find that Things that I don't know what they mean at all, entire sentences sometimes will actually sometimes in conversation, they will fly out of my mouth. I will use them mm -hmm. accurately in the context. Everyone laughs, but later on I can be like, what does that actually mean? But I'm using it right. in the right context. So I'm letting my subconscious drive the, drive the speaking or drive the learning more so than my conscious. Cause I found that it was okay. frustrating that way. Interesting. Well, I think there's a lot there and there's obviously a lot more uh, at your YouTube channel. Yes. We're, we're going to leave links in the description box and uh, people can go and explore. It's been a very interesting conversation. Yeah, thank you. And I will get back to my Korean. And Please so do. I look forward to getting the name of that person and yes. uh, hopefully we can have another conversation. Maybe yeah. in Korean one day. Yeah, please let me know. Okay. Thank Jeremy, you, Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Bye, Bye everyone. Now.